On the episode today, I am going to be sharing a story with you guys. This is a personal story, something that I've never really spoken about publicly, but something that I really feel now it is time to share. I want to share with you the story of a major car accident that I had back in 2009, but more so than the story, I want to share the physical, mental, and emotional challenges that came with that event and the steps that I have found worked for me to overcome those challenges. This is Inspired Wellness with Jessica, a safe space for women impacted by their emotions to unlock hope and discover ways to elevate emotional wellness holistically for long-term health and well-being. I am your host, Jessica, advanced EFT practitioner, holistic counselor, meditation therapist, and advanced life coach. Join me for real, raw conversations to educate and inspire you to take control of your emotional well-being. I am so grateful you are here with me. Let's dive straight in. So let's start with the story. The story goes, it was Valentine's Day in 2009. It was a Saturday and I was working my second job, which was uh, a waitress at a restaurant up on the Federal Highway up in Canberra. And my shift ended and I didn't really want to go straight home. I was sad that it was Valentine's Day and I was all lonely. (laughs) And I thought, oh, My housemates having people over, they're having a party. I might just drive around until I feel like I've got the house to myself and then I'll go home. So I detoured past my house and here I am driving. And I remember as I was driving along this really dark road, really dark single laned road uh, that I could see up in my rear view mirror, I had police lights behind me, but there are bit off to the distance and I remember I was starting to think to myself oh how will I pull over out of their way on this dark windy road uh you know what what am I going to do when they get closer and then before I had even had a chance to finish processing those thoughts I was hit with this impact that I did not see coming so the car was hit um from behind And I was spinning around, my car then flipped, I landed in some trees, Uh, my window was down, so I had like a tree branch in my face, I had the dashboard had fallen out on top of me, Uh, the the roof was pretty much touching my head and the back, back of my car was completely compacted. So a very, very lucky experience when I look back in hindsight. Um, and I just remember from there, suddenly there was a, a policeman there and they were trying to pull me out of the car and I just had no idea what had happened. I, I uh, had no idea yeah, what had happened. I didn't see the impact coming at all. And so a policeman pulled me out of the car and explained that I was hit by another vehicle. And at this stage, that's all they really knew. They were in pursuit of a vehicle. 
Um, and I was driving this little Hyundai and they were, they were in pursuit of a, um, a big Nissan patrol and that vehicle had hit my car. So I, I was quite injured from this experience. I ended up with a fracture in my spine, um, knee injuries and lots and lots of soft tissue damage and the physical extent of my injuries took probably around five years um, before I had, before I stopped having my rehabilitation regularly. And I think the thing though, that really went under the radar for me was the mental impact that that accident had had and the mental injuries that came with that. So I was 21 at the time that this happened. It was like, I think, I think maybe two weeks before my 21st birthday and I, I mean, I guess I was aware of mental illness, but I really, I didn't have any real clue that that could be what was happening to me. And when I look back now and I think about how, uh, I guess, I, you know, I've spoken about my story through the hardest parts of my anxiety and I talk about this, the high stress that I was living under and, and the fact that that all snowballed into illness and panic. Well, let's take it back even a few more years when we start when my body really started to live in a state of PTSD. So the follow-on effect from that accident was really, really multifaceted. I had the physical recovery that I had to go through and that was a lot and it was painful and I felt you know there was a lot of things that I couldn't do for myself for quite a long time my my mum had to come and help me vacuum my house you know I couldn't push a vacuum around I couldn't carry things I couldn't push a shopping trolley I I had a lot of physical limitations because of that but then we bring in an emotional aspect too. So at first I was holding on to a lot of anger from the accident. I was really angry at the driver who had hit me. Um, and I had found out that that driver was actually a 14 year old child who had blown a very, very, very high alcohol rating, um, taken mum and dad's car and, um, uh, yeah, was in, was being pursued by the police and, and hit me. So at first I was angry. I was really angry. And then a part of the process after this experience, because it did involve uh, a minor, was that we had to sit, th- go through a restorative justice conference. And the emotion that I left with after that was sadness. I, I ended up leaving feeling sorry for this child who had severely injured me and feeling guilty that I even felt angry. And those emotions were really hard to comprehend, this deep, deep sadness. Then following that though, I learned the true extent of my injuries. So at the first we thought, okay, maybe a few weeks of physio, you know, maybe, maybe things might happen, heal quickly, but that's not what happened. As I mentioned before, it ended up being five years of of rehab, five years of psychologists, five years of 
um, going through also to, you know, the whole insurance claim process because I was injured and I was out of pocket for a lot of medical expenses. And if you've ever been through a process like that, then you will know that it is the insurance company's job to do anything they possibly can to not have you compensated fairly. And that is such a stressful process in itself. The things that I experienced through the insurance company right down to words, you know, spoken to a psychologist that were twisted. And what I mean by that was like, for example, I remember trying to get my social life back and I said to the psychologist, I tried to go out with my friends on the weekend, but I hit a wall and I had to come home. Now, a week later, I'm getting calls from my lawyers saying the insurance company want to know how injured you were when you hit that wall. Now, this is a, it was a metaphor. <laughs> I hit a wall, so I came home. It was a damn metaphor. And here I was being scrutinized for every little thing that I said. I felt like there was no safe space to actually talk about it because there was this element of, you know, insurance and, and everything that I was saying and experiencing being scrutinized, twisted and thrown back in my face. So it's a real, like, it's a real lot to deal with, particularly, you know, when you're young, you know, I didn't feel that young at the time, but 21, I was really, really young. So there's that sort of emotional aspect to it as well, that emotional stress aspect. And then there are the triggers. Now, these are things that knowing what I know now, I really truly don't believe were dealt with very well uh, through the, I guess, the mainstream process that I was sent through, the people that, you know, I had to see um the particular psychologist that I did see, I know there are some fantastic, well, lots of fantastic psychologists out there, but this, these particular people that I was sent to that I saw, it just, it didn't deal with the triggers. Nothing actually stopped me from being triggered. Nothing dealt with the core beliefs that I had actually taken away from that accident. And what I mean by that is for years and years and years and years and years, right up until when I did all of my personal growth work a couple of years ago, uh, before I became an EFT practitioner, a part of the process is you have to go through and you have to deal with your own stuff. Okay. So you're not triggered by other people's stuff. So dealing with that, I am coming up with all of these things from this accident that I had no idea had actually impacted me so deeply. So let's start with some, some sensory triggers. So the first thing um, that really, really stuck with me was the smell of dirt. So I mentioned that my window was down while the car was doing all of its flips and rolls and whatever it was doing. So I can remember, like, well, it's quite scattered for me now, but I could remember the exact smell of the dirt. And anytime then that I was in a space where there was dirt, where it had been sort of kicked up and it was dusty, I would feel a sense of panic in my body. I would feel uh, a sense of fear 
stress because I was reminded of my car accident. I also uh, was triggered a lot by flashing police lights. So for many, many, many years, again, up until sort of three years ago when I did all this deep trigger work, I would see flashing lights, be it a police or ambulance, fire truck, whatever it would be, I would see that as red and blue lights and my heart would just be in my mouth. I associated those lights with my car accident, with my experience. If I heard the noise of a car bumping into something, even if it was just a really faint sound of the car, of a car scratching the gutter, which yes, I do from time to time, (laughs) scratch the gutters, that noise, that noise reminded me of the sound of the impact. If I looked at a Hyundai Getz and I had to sit in the back seat of a small two-doored car, then I was convinced I was going to die. Convinced. There are, there were so many triggers, so many emotional associations that my amygdala made with that car accident. So many associations. Valentine's Day. For years and years, I would cry and go into anxiety and fear response every Valentine's Day because for me, it was an anniversary of my car accident. Because I had five years of injury management, five years. And, you know, honestly, I know that my lower back was still so impacted during my pregnancy uh, because of the accident. But what happened was this five years of these experiences made that accident become my story. It became something that was so ingrained in my identity that I didn't even realize how deep in the hole of that I was, how much that that story, that experience, those triggers, that constant reliving it all of the time, how much that had gripped a hold of me and started to actually form who I was. It literally, I wasn't me without my story of my car accident. And I'd like you to take notice of the language that I use there. It was my story of my accident. And now after releasing the triggers, the emotional charge behind it, it is the story of the accident that I had, an experience that I had, an event that happened. Okay. There, when something becomes a part of your identity, good or bad, it serves a purpose. And for me, that purpose, some of the triggers were there to keep me safe. Some parts of me couldn't let it go or feel like I wasn't allowed to move on because anytime I started to remotely feel like I was moving on with my life, I had an insurance company that were threatening to not pay for my medical expenses. So I almost felt like I had to stay in this state. And this state led to me looking for all sorts of unhealthy ways to manage my emotions when I really think back. 
all sorts of ways to release the emotions that I was feeling because I did not know how to cope and I did not know what I know now about what was going on in my body and in my brain from that trauma response, from that experience. And at the time, as I mentioned, I, I went through the proper proper way of dealing with this. I saw the psychologists, you know, I went to the physios, I did, I went to these rehab places. There was this one place where they put this like weighted machine on your head and every week they get you to turn your head just like a slight little bit more angle, little bit more angle, um, you know, just to get that range of movement back in your neck and it's painful and it's awful and you feel like this big tin man thing when you're wearing it. But those are the sorts of things that I had to do. I had treatments such as EMDR and I know some people will swear by that and every person is different with their experiences. I personally didn't get benefit from that. I still remained equally as triggered by every part of that experience after I finished that therapy, you know, in 2012 or whatever that was, 2000 and yeah, 12-ish, 13, I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But I was equally as traumatized, you know, right up until a couple of years ago as I was back then. So for me, doing the work that I did through EFT primarily really made a massive difference when it came to the physical sensations, the discomfort and the emotional charge that I felt when I told that story. And, you know, the story used to be so much deeper. I told you that actual story in just a minute or two. When I used to tell the story, it was every single little detail of what I felt of what I saw, of what I smelled, of what I heard. It was just such part of my identity. And no matter how many times I retold the story, it never became a story. It was always this, this really emotionally charged event. So the trigger work that I did was, again, with EFT, and going through where the emotional charge was. So starting with my image of the road, because I couldn't drive down that road for a very long time. And then if I did, because it's quite a common road in Canberra, even if I did drive down that road, I would spend the whole time nearly holding my breath, clenching my jaw, tensing my whole body, any time, constantly flicking my eyes up in the rear view mirror, just waiting for something to come out of nowhere. So the trigger work that I did was releasing the triggers from the lights, releasing the triggers of what I saw down that road, what I saw in my rear view mirror, releasing the emotional charge behind the smell of the dirt, the sensations I felt when the car was out of control, um, the sound of my own screaming, you know, that was something too that really stuck with me as well. There were so many sensory things to be dealt with. And then I had to look at the guilt that I was carrying because the accident was not my fault. It was not my fault. 
But I had this guilt. What if I'd just gone home first? What about what happened to that poor kid who hit me? He was fine, by the way. And I'm sure he went through many, many emotional challenges through that. And I'm sure that the court process and everything that he went through was not easy. But physically, in terms of of his physical health, he was not injured. And for me, I, I felt this, I don't know, this guilt. I just had this guilt, this guilt that I was angry at him, this guilt I don't know. I don't even know what it was. I had to let that go. I had to work through that. I had to work through the fear of being in a passenger seat, the fear of sitting in the back seat of a small car, the fear of driving um, at any kind of fast speed, even though there was no speed involved in this accident. I also, and here's the big one, had to release and deal with this belief that I then had that was only amplified when I injured my knee, had my pulmonary embolism, and then started to live in this state of panic disorder. And this belief was that my body is not safe, that I am not safe in my body. That's a big one. When there is a subconscious belief that is continually telling you every single day that anything could happen out of nowhere, that you are not safe and that your body is not safe, then that just keeps you in a state of panic. So that was a massive challenge for me to overcome because that had become a part of my identity massively, massively. So really the recovery work from this accident, you know, it it was, as I said, very multifaceted and it really had to take in a lot of different considerations and a lot of different factors from sensory triggers to emotional uh, emotions that had been stored in my body, emotions that I had held onto for years and years and years and years and years to, uh, you know, 13 years or something, 10 years, 10 years, whatever it was. Um, yeah, to dealing with the beliefs that had come out of that. There are so many different layers that actually came with that healing process. And yeah, I'm sure, I am sure that the things that I went through, the therapies, the things that I went through back then, I'm sure they helped, particularly when I do think about the level of extent of mental health issues that I was going through from all of that. I'm sure without those therapies, then, you know, things could have potentially gotten a lot worse for me. But what I'm also sure of, though, is that none of that work helped my triggers. None of that work desensitized my triggers. None of that work taught me how to be safe in my body. None of that work taught me how to release the emotion that had been trapped in my body from all of that. 
And none of that taught me how to, well, none of that helped me to reprogram my amygdala to tell myself that I, well, to, to, sorry, to retrain my amygdala that I was safe in those situations. So that is well, my story, the story, <laughs> the story of the accident that really when I do look back on things and I look back on me and who I was as a person prior to this accident, this happy, carefree, invincible feeling, you know, nothing can happen to me. You feel invisible until something does. This person who didn't live in this place of fear, who didn't live in this place of stress, this person who was calm and level-headed and happy, that accident changed the whole trajectory of the next 15 years of my life. Absolutely. 13 years. I can't count. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely it did. It changed because when I really now look back, and again, this is why we look at stress and anxiety from a holistic perspective. When I look back and I look at the stress, the trauma, the beliefs around safety, the con- the physical impact of stress as well, so as in like the injury in my body, the long-term injury, the external impact of stress, the emotional impact of stress that, you know, and I'm not sure if I said this, but shame as well. Shame that I had a car accident. Shame that, shame for five years as, you know, an insurance company scrutinized every single bit of my healing journey and made me feel like I wasn't allowed to heal. Like I was lying or I made it up or I was, you know, just out for some compo, if I healed, it was, it was a really awful thing to go through because when you're in those posi- in that position, those medical expenses, they're really expensive. And I was 21. I think I was earning about $45,000 a year. I had just bought my first home um, when all of this had happened as well. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of money to pay for physio something like twice a week for two years um, and then rehab, other rehabs, plus psychologists, plus medications and whatever else I had at the time. It's a lot. And so there was, I remember a lot of shame and shame is a big one. Shame is a big thing to let go of. Shame creates illness and stress in the body like you wouldn't believe. So... So when I take into account those five years and then I look at my life and I look about how only maybe two years after all of that ended, I had my first child, how, you know, other stresses started to come in. Work stresses became a major factor. I've spoken about the long term, uh, the long term, the long hours that I used to work. The fact that work will come home with me, all these things become a factor and it's building and building and building on this event from 2009, this belief that I had been holding on to since 2009. 
So then in 2017, when I injured my knee, when I had my pulmonary embolism, when I then became stuck in this state of panic disorder and lived for three solid years with my heart in my throat, barely able to function properly, you know, you can see why. You can absolutely see why. And on reflection, I can also really see that I, I'm not fun anymore. I stopped taking risks. I stopped feeling like I could enjoy my life. I started living from a place of fear and a place of what if and a place of, I guess, restriction. I started living from this place of fear rather than this place of joy. And, you know, I feel like I can be honest and vulnerable that, that I guess, permission for joy is something that I am still working towards. So I would love to know if this story has resonated with you. If you have experienced a trauma like this, any kind of motor vehicle accident, any kind of, um, you know, anything like this that has just absolutely shook you to your core, I would love to chat to you. There are so many amazing things that can happen with EFT and one of the biggest ones is releasing triggers and just really telling your amygdala that your body is safe and if you feel like EFT could benefit your healing then I would love to speak to you and I would love to work with you because as you have just heard today I get it I absolutely get it and I know the impact that something like this can have on your life and I was very 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 lucky I was very very lucky with, with my situation and I can see that now in hindsight but in the depth of it all being stuck in you know that state of not depression for me but it was a depressed state being stuck in that state of, of feeling depressed of PTSD um, of that accident being my story it's a, it feels like a hole that's impossible to get out of. So I get it. And I would love to work with you if you feel like you need some help to get out of a similar hole. That's what I wanted to share with you guys today. I know it was a little bit long, but um, yeah, definitely a vulnerable story that I feel like could really impact and help so many of you. The more beautiful souls that I work with, the more I am hearing similar stories, the more I'm hearing the impact of accidents from years ago, of things that have happened from years ago. And so I really hope that hearing how my triggers stayed with me, but how I was able to desensitize them can bring some hope to what's going on for you. Thank you for listening to Inspired Wellness with Jessica. If you enjoyed and found value in today's episode, then please help it to reach others who may also benefit by subscribing on your favorite platform and leaving a review. This would mean the world to me. To get in touch with me, inquire about working privately, or experience one of my online programs, then head to www.inspiredlifecollective.com.au 
and I will see you on the next episode.